0: Read now the Word of God. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. The sermon this morning will focus on a large part of this chapter, verses 8 through 19. We pay a special attention to those verses eight through 19. hear now the word of God. Now name of Captain of the host, the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. The Syrians had gone out by companies, had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. She waited on Damon's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went. He told his lord, saying, Thus and thus sent the maid that is of the land of Israel. The king of Syria said, Go to, go. I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now, when this letter is come unto thee, behold I have therewith sent Mahem in my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his husband. And it came to pass, the king of Israel had read the letter, and he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? This man that sent him me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore consider it for you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come down to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, went away, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place. Cover the lever. Are not the and Harper, rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash it them and be clean? So he turned and went away in the rage. The servant of King Peter spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, what is thou not have done it? But rather than when he said to thee, wash and be clean. Then he went. Then went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan. According to the saying, the man of God, and his flesh became again like unto the flesh of a little child. He was pleased. He returned to the man of God. He and all his company came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no god in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee take a blessing of thy servant. And he said, As the Lord is before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, and he refused. Naaman said, Shall there not then a credit be given to thy servant, two mules and of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offerings or sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. This thing, the Lord pardoned my servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimon to worship, there he leadeth on my hand. And I bow myself in the house of Rimon, and I bowed down to myself in the house of to the Lord pardon my servant for this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. But he departed from him a little way. But Gayathon, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared David the Syrian, and in not receiving in his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. And Gehazi followed after David, and When Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to Peter and said, Is all wild. And he said, All is about. My master had sent me, saying, Behold, even now there. Be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men, the sons of the prophets, and give them, I pray a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And they have said, Be take two talents. And he urged him, and he bound two talents of silver and two bags, and with two changes of garments, and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand, and he stowed them in the house, and he let them go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gazi? And he said, Thy servant went no with And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money, and to receive garments, and olive yards, and vineyards, and sheep, and oxen, and bed servants, and maid servants? The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman is unto thee, and unto thy seed forever. He went off with his presence, along with his white soul <clears throat> Jesus, in his first sermon in Dean and Ashra, references the great miracle that we read about. Glorious picture of our own salvation through Jesus of Nazareth. And there are many truths that are emphasized in this passage. It is a picture of God's plan to bring the Gentiles in to the house of Israel, into the church and covenant of God. Through the rejection of the seed of Abraham, of Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus himself points out that significantly Nehemiah was the Syrian, that is a Gentile, and they are brought in to the covenant because of the rejection of Jesus. The Jews rejected Jesus because they had come to believe that God saved them because they were of the seed of Abraham, the physical seed of Abraham. And thus also they ignored and rejected God's promise that there would be a day that the nations would be brought in from all over the earth to worship God. Jesus references that in his very first sermon in Nazareth and References the fact that at the time of Elijah there were many lepers in Israel, but only one was saved, one was fled, that was Naaman the Syrian. When the Jews heard that, even the Jews, Jesus owned hometown, they <coughs> came in a rage, tried to kill him. Secondly, the word of God here emphasizes the fact that God uses providence in his work of salvation. In other words, God's great work of providence is subservient, is a servant to his greater work of salvation. Providence, we know, is God's everywhere present and almighty power. By which he upholds and governs all things, so that, as we read even in the Baptism 4, he brings us all good and averts all evil or turns it to our profit. It is, his providence serves his will to save us. God here, his providence, and his providence serving his salvation is evident that God rules over the apostasy of the nation of Israel at this time so that Syria is given dominion over the nation of Israel, is raiding the nation of Israel, is taking captives and killing. And God rules over Providence so that this man, Naaman, is the head general of these armies causing death and destruction in the nation of Israel. God rules over Providence such that in one of these rings a little Jewish girl is orphaned from her parents and becomes a maid in the king's house and under the king's servant, and by that name even brings the word of God that there is yet prophet in Israel in this apostate nation who is able to cleanse them. There's a picture, therefore, of the powerful grace of God, powerful grace of God to work through such a little girl to witness to God
1: that God had evidently in that apostate nation where even Elijah thought he was the
0: only one left, there were yet two parents who had raised their children in the fear of God's name, who believed in God. Though likely now dead, her faith is strong and she witnesses to the salvation of God through the prophet. A witness and picture of the great grace of God saving this mighty yet proud man who has been given a death sentence. The picture of the great grace that God used to cleanse this man, not only cleanse him, but spiritually renew him so that he is cleansed in soul and in spirit. Consider with me this morning the cleansing of Naaman, the astonishing miracle, the humbling being, and finally the infallible response. In order to understand this picture of the great, wonderful grace of God and salvation, you have to notice the astonishing miracle that is performed. Astonishing in the first place because the man that is healed is a leper. He was a great man, a host, a captain of the host of the nation of Syria and the king, a man of renown, a man of great power and wealth, but he was a leper. Significance of that is in the Old Testament. Leprosy was the god picture of the corruption of sin and the death that it brings. Picture of sin and the depravity of natural man in animal. This is not simply this nice story of how man is cured of a physical disease, So that the lesson here is that God is in providence able to cure us using certain means from our physical ailments and disease that would be to ignore the fact that in the New Testament God no longer works such miracles through such means against physical diseases that ended with the last apostle at the completion of the Holy Scripture. And though God saves the body, He does that first by saving the soul through regeneration, that's the great picture here. God made that plain in the Old Testament by dealing with the lepers in a very striking manner according to the law of God. Deuteronomy 24, verse 8: We read, Take in the plague of leprosy, to observe diligently, and to do as I commanded. What God's commands were was severe with regard to the lepers. Leper, When the leprosy was first noted, had to burn all of their clothes and to shave their head. They were declared defiled, polluted. They had to separate from all the fellowship and living of the people, and cry out when in public, unclean, so that no one would be near them. Furthermore, if the leprosy was healed and taken away, then they could be restored to the fellowship of the people only by an appearance and examination by a priest, not a doctor, and by way of encoding an sacrifice and not by a vote of the people. Leprosy was a picture of sin and death, inasmuch as it was a pervasive disease that corrupted and defiled all the flesh so that it became dead and Rotten it began with white, or red spots on the surface of the skin that soon spread throughout the body, killing all the living flesh, deadening the nerve, destroying the lungs, destroying the extremities, the arms, and the ears, all the flesh, so that it would fall off. The body would simply fall apart under the sin. Death seized the leper, leper, claimed the leper as its own, and dragged the leper slowly as he fell apart into the grave. It's a picture of oh,
1: how, likewise, sin corrupts and destroys with death us,
0: not simply our flesh, but the entire man. Sin is a malignant power. The uncurable power, the corrupting power that corrupts not only body, but also soul. And it corrupts not only our living, but all of our spiritual life, our thinking, and our willing, and our knowledge. If we could see beneath our clothes what we really are by nature, it would be worse than that of the leper. We would see corruption. We would see rotting, stinking flesh. We would see a rotting, stinking soul. We would see a sinner who is a living dead. This infectious disease not only corrupts the whole person, but those with whom that person has fellowship and communes, there too belongs the picture. Today, the entire human race is infected with the leprosy of sin and death because of one man, our first father. The idea behind all the Old Testament laws, where by the leper was set outside the city, could no longer dwell with even his family and his children, could not even worship in the temple, must declare himself unclean, unclean. All of that was due to the fact that it was a picture of the spiritual reality of what sin does, that sin corrupts. It corrupts and it ruins not only the first person or the original individual who has it, but all with whom they have fellowship and come into contact with. That too is even reflected in New Testament law where sin... Sin that is corrupted, sin that is defiled, is the cause for removal from the fellowship of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. If untreated or uncured, the sinner must be banished from the fellowship of the Church that is clean in Jesus Christ. This leprosy was a picture in as much as that this was a product and terminal disease. There was no known cure, no known treatment, so that, even though it might take years, nevertheless, the end result was the corruption of the entire body and soul unto death. Why the king responded the way he did. When the Syrian king approached him with a letter requesting that he heal Naaman, the leper. He assumed that the Syrian king was seeking an occasion to do even further harm and destruction, to exert himself in destroying the nation by requiring that which was impossible, that which could not be done except through faith, through a prophet, believing in God. Leprosy was also a picture of sin, and that leprosy rendered one disgusting and gross to others. The leper became gross and repulsive to himself, not only, but to others. And the point here is, that this disgusting, repulsive nature of the sin of the disease renders everything else that individual was basically worthless. That was Naaman. Na- Naaman. Naaman was a great man. Naaman was a mayor of valor. Naaman was a man who could command armies, who had respect and attention. Naaman had all kinds of wealth. Had a wonderful family and home, servants to wait on him, but it was basically all rendered worthless by those words. But he was a leper. Naaman himself knew that. The king knew that. The king knew that the services Naaman could render him were men that soon he himself would be so corrupted with this disease, so gross and so vile. That he would no longer be able to lead his armies or be of any use to the nation that's sin. Doesn't matter what family you were born into. Doesn't matter how wonderful it is your wife and your family. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank account. Doesn't matter what men think of you, and how wonderful you are, and how glorious you are, doesn't matter if you're a man who has courage and valour, lead armies, who is looked up to and respected, second only to the king in power and might, all of it is made worthless by sin that takes it all away by bringing us down the grave in death. But that's not the extent of the astonishing aspect of the miracle and to that, is that Naaman was a Syrian. That is, he was an uncircumcised Gentile. And that was the second point that Jesus made in mentioning this great miracle in his sermon. Not only was Naaman a leper, but he was a Syrian. That is, he was outside the Covenant. He was outside the kingdom of God, and therefore he was banished by law from ever entering into the sanctuary of God. Even if he had converted to the Jewish religion, he could not enter into the tabernacle. He could not partake of the Passover. He could not ever own property in the land of Canaan. He would forever be. As it were, outside the kingdom. So, also sin. Sin renders one outside the kingdom and covenant of God. Sin strips away all rights to God, all access to God. Sin renders the sinner lost in his ignorance, so that there must even be a witness before he realizes that there may be a prophet who could possibly heal him from the disease. He is cut off, not simply from the fellowship of human beings, but cut off from the fellowship of God and of his people. So, there was an astonishing miracle that was performed that day, upon the event given two miracles we should see. There is first, what Jesus calls the cleansing of the leprosy itself at the command of Elisha and the urging of his servants Naaman finally humbles himself and he dips himself into the Jordan River seven times and when he comes out of the Jordan River his flesh has become like that of a little child. This was as it were a resurrection of Naaman the death.
1: No longer was his flesh subject to the dropping power of that leprosy,
0: no longer would that leprosy continue to extend its influence over his body so that soon it would become a corpse. No longer was he inflicted with this pervasive chronic disease that not only would kill him, But that rendered him gross and disgusting in the eyes of the people. His flesh had been reborn. He had come out of it alive. He was filled with hope and joy over his curing of that sickness. But then of course, there was an even greater miracle, which was the fighting of David in his heart and soul of sin and of death. It was the great miracle of spiritual regeneration and renewal. Dan was emerged from the Jordan River not only cleansed from corruption in his flesh, but the death of his sin in his heart and soul. He went in hopeless, he went in proud, he went in dead in sin, he went in uncircumcised in heart. He ran in a ribbon worshipping idolater. And he emerged, a hope filled, humble, born again, circumcised in heart, forgiven and sanctified child of God who confessed, I know there is no other God but Jehovah God. That was a miracle, even the greater miracle here. The wonder of grace, more glorious than the cleansing of uh, his leprosy. This great miracle that we read about in our own at as four, article 12. This is a regeneration so highly celebrated in Scripture and denominated a new creation. A resurrection from the dead, a making alive which God works in us without our aid. But this is no wise, affected merely by the external preaching of the gospel, by moral suasion for such a mode of operation that after God has performed His part, it still remains in the power of man to be regenerated or not. But it is evidently a supernatural work, most powerful, and at the same time most delightful, astonishing, mysterious, and ineffable. Heading to the wonder and glory of the cleansing of the demon was the humbling means that God used to effect this. God used, of course, the humbling means of him washing in the Jordan seven times. When Naaman appears before him, he remains in his house. He simply issues forth the command, to wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, verse 10. The servants repeat that command simply as, wash and be clean. The humbling means was a strip of water, a body of water in the land, Canaan, only the Jordan River, forbidden, were the means of any other waters in Syria or around Israel, but only those waters, smacked in the middle of Israel. <clears throat> Naaman was cleansed in obedience to the promise of God's word. There was no power in the water all by itself, of course, but there was power only in the command. The promise of God to wash and then be clean. That is, of course, a picture, a picture of the humbling means of the blood of the eternal Son of Jesus, eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has come in our flesh, and the sprinkling of that blood on the heart and souls of an individual by the Holy Spirit. In fact of the Holy Spirit taking the shed blood of Jesus Christ and sprinkling it upon the heart of an individual, what we call regeneration and uh, conversion. The fact is that the power of sin and corruption and death is broken. Individual is cleansed from the repulsive mass of sin that invades them pervades their soul, that corrupts all of their thinking and willing, all of their actions and all that they are by nature in It is what cleanses them from the shame of sin, from the power of sin, from the corruption of sin, from the condemnation of sin, cleanses them from the evil thoughts of sin, the vile lusts of sin, the power and influence of sin over who and what they are. In fact, of uh, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit to be. Because the power of Christ's life it is eternal, everlasting. Life is what is in dominion the heart of life of the child of God. They are empowered to despise their sin, despise their original nature, in to despise their sin and to flee from it, to recognize that sin, to repent of that sin and turn from that sin. The life of Jesus Christ empowers them to use the faculties of their body and of their soul no longer as servants of sin and in the service of sin, but to use them in dedication to the service of God their new master. That's the effect and the wonder of this humbling means. The humbling means is the application of that blood of Jesus Christ in the church, where God has established his covenant and nowhere else. That's the significance of the fact that Nehemiah is cleansed, not only by washing in the Jordan River, but in the mountains of Israel, but the fact that he was washing that Jordan River seven times. And for the children here recognize their great number of the covenant picture that Jesus cleanses by his blood and applies the power of his blood to the Spirit, only by his word and spirit, and only where his word and spirit is applied to the official ministry of the church to the ordained pastorate. It is sprinkled in the blood that God has established His covenant of Greece and therefore is present by the fellowship of His Son through the Holy Spirit. It is the word, therefore, of the humbling means of the application of the blood of Jesus Christ through the preaching of the word and through the Holy Sacraments in the established church. That was the word damn it, wash it, and be clean. That's the word we preach. That's the word repent and believe in Jesus Christ. That's the word believe. Thou shalt be forgiven all of your sins. Of course all of that then, is a picture When the only witness of God is in a single prophet and in a little Jewish girl who is in captivity. What's God saying here? The application of his word and his spirit, even though administered within the covenant and kingdom of God, is administered through prophets, administered, is administered through sacraments and the application of water. It does not depend upon them for its efficacy. And they are only signs and only means for God to administer the reality which is His Spirit and the application of the blood of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Those are humbling means and a humbling Greece. this is why even enlightened himself did not deliver the command to wash and be clean in person why he remained hidden in his house and did not bother to go to the door why God even works to the voice and word of those unbelieving servants of Naaman, God through all is emphasizing the humbling, humbling grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's exactly because of this, that such salvation, means of salvation are considered foolishness and ungodly, so foolish to Naaman that he turned away. The attitude always follows in the world as the natural man and in the false church. That is our own natural tendency we should even see ourselves. The world is corrupt, filled with corruption, filled with trouble, filled with misery, such that even the world notices, the false church notices, those who claim to be followers of God know this. We ourselves know this. But we turn away from the word of God that says, walk and be clean. We are ignorant of that word. But when we hear it, we say, no, that couldn't possibly fix my trouble and help me with my misery. What we need is to spend even more money. What we need is more government programs and influence. What we need is to read more books. What we need is more education. What we need is more pleasure and fun. What we need is more gurus to tell us what to do. We need more programs to go to. We need more lectures to listen to. We need more things to hear and to do. We need medications. We need this and we need that. Certainly, there are things in that list that could bring some help, some alleviation of some misery and trouble in regard to perhaps our flesh and their body, but not really. All of those things are rendered worthless and vanity without the word of God. What this word of God comes us to is simply humbly, lowly, wash and be clean. Do you suffer? you suffer the misery of the corruption, of sin, and of death and its pervasive influence? Do you find yourself under the power so you're filled with despair and anxiety? Do you find yourself tempted to go here and go there? This solution and that solution? Hear now the word of God. Wash and we be believe. The reason that not only the world and the false church, but we ourselves are tempted to turn away from that simple Word of God and its promise is because it's too simple. As even <coughs> the servants of Naaman recognize, it's no great thing. It's a little thing, a small thing, that's humbling to us. When we preach that there's only power to cleanse in the blood of Jesus Christ and the application of that blood simply by faith, believing like that little Jewish maid, becoming like little children and saying, Wow, if you would only hear. If you would only see the problem and listen to what he has to say, you would be clean. We say, that can't be. The reason we turn away is because it's a humbling need. That's why David turned away. He was so angry and raved. He was offended because he was a proud man. He was offended because he was a narcissist. He took pride in who he was and what he was and his possessions. He took pride in the fact that he was the general of all the armies. He had all these riches and all this honor. He was somebody. And now, now to be told, he has to go to Israel. And then, notice, going to Israel didn't begin with some lowly prophet in some small village somewhere, but it begins with the king. Let's go to the king. The man of power and influence in Israel, even though he's under our power and influence. So let's go to him. Let's see what he knows, what he believes. and find out there's nothing there either. No, they have to trade us. They have to go to this place far off. He has to get down from the glorious position in the chariot, get down in the dust, go knock on the wooden door. Then, and then the man doesn't even come to the door. Why Elisha doesn't bother to come to the door? Elisha did that deliberately. Elisha knew who was at the door. Elisha knew who was coming. And he knew that if God had sent this man, there were two lessons he had to learn from God. The first is that the Lord is God, and he's no respecter of persons. He's not impressed with early glory and honor. He doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you're a king or a Jewish king. He shows mercy to whom people show mercy and had to learn that. Second thing he had to learn is that the Lord heals by grace and grace alone. And that's the way of humility. To be healed. one must be knocked off his perch. The salvation of our God begins in the dust. Doesn't begin up on a throne. No, our God takes us from the dust, from our corruption, and he sets us on a throne. He takes us from the humbling people that we are, causes us to see that, and lifts us up out of the dust to sit next to him in the kingdom of heaven. You would have had to learn that there's only one way to be washed and be clean, and that is by faith. Words, not by being somebody, not by presenting to God all sorts of things of who we are and what we are. That's indicated twice in verse 12, and then by the servants in verse 13. That was the word of God to answer. Believe. Simply believe the word. Today, I would preach to you that you could be cleansed and washed by spending all kinds of money, by dedicating your life as a monk to God, by perhaps giving away all your money, by praying a certain amount of times a day, watching a special diet, by doing this and doing that. All of those things are things you would do. We would tell everybody about that. We would declare to everybody, this is what I'm doing to fix my life. This is what I'm doing to fix my body. This is what I'm doing to bring peace to my soul. I'm doing this and I'm a doing that. The Lord doesn't care. Where does believe? Simply believe. Believe that God... Healed. That God saves. And that God washes. <coughs> Not now apart from means. Naaman was still at the end of that river. He dipped himself in seven times. Without that he wouldn't be glad. But God makes it very clear that he himself is the one who brought Naaman of his perch. From his charity, from his riches, that God is the one who made man and cast all those aside and simply believe the word of the prophet. That's God's salvation. That's God's grace. It's free. It's never It's never deserved. It's never granted because of who and what we are never given to us because of what we've done, or how we've done it. God loves us all of Israel, apostate, wicked, idolatrous Israel, a nation that still claimed to be worshipers of God and nothing but idolaters and unbelievers. There were many, many lepers. Jesus said. Many. But God took pity on one. He wasn't even in the nation. He was a Syrian who led the army of Israel of Assyria into the nation that had killed, that had murdered, that had taken away property, that had stolen children. A man surely that can't be saved. A man surely that is beyond redemption. A man surely that God will now show mercy to. Him. But Jesus said to all of them, that's the one that God chose. God takes him from this grand journey to be healed and to be heard. That beloved is our salvation. We reject that salvation, which is what happened in Israel. We reject it because we will not receive that. We do not want that kind of salvation. We might like the idea of being cleansed of our leprosy, but not that way. And not with the result, certainly, that comes of maleism. There was an infallible response of this cleansing, or in effect, we might say, that also is remarkable. That too is a picture of our salvation. to so you see, not only did Naaman enter into that river, the gross, disgusting, vain leper who emerged clean and new and invigorated courage. But he went in an unbeliever. He went in a child who was of the devil. He went in as it were to that river as one who was lost. And he came up a child of God. Now, as I said, it doesn't take away from the fact that God was already at work. God's job and God had sent in there. God had already regenerated his heart. It's an important picture there. And even when we consider the humble means that God uses, such as baptism or washing seven times in the Jordan River, that it is always a picture of what God has done or will do. It's not the case that we have this. We do this, and that God now baptizes us as a sign of what we've done. Well, it's always a sign of the picture of what God has done. We do it by faith, believing God God's hand, and, and perhaps in many cases, it's already generated our little infants. But because Naaman was a Syrian, his picture is a response and effect, or a picture of our own. Salvation as Gentiles, who and what we are, need to remember that we are Gentiles. We are not children of Abraham by nature. That we are here because God, at one time or another, not only entered our heart, not only sprinkled the blood of Jesus Christ upon us personally, but did that. For us, that we had relatives who were brought from the same idolatry, from the same idolatry as Rimon remark- worshipping Nehemiah, who perhaps were maybe even great people, even great people in the world, but yet God took him. We, like Israel, may not forget to God's truth in Israel and Abraham was of his grace. That God, therefore, doesn't save our physical lines. That God doesn't save us exactly because we're born to this or that person in the church. But God still is a God of grace. He's pleased to use that, use our children, save them our children. But it's always, always a grace. We forget that. And then we reject our Lord Jesus Christ, God goes somewhere else. Many lepers, Jesus said, but none cleansed in Naaman, a leper. Beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God here in this place comes to you. Simple word, great